You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacy Crossroads. Our host of this podcast is Bruce Nealon. While the show is not about Bruce specifically, it just might help to know something about Bruce Nealon's background. First, Bruce is not a pharmacist, but has been around the pharmacy industry for a while now, over 30 years. Bruce started his career as an operations manager for Medicine Shop International in 1977 in St. Louis, Missouri. In 1984, he moved and joined Health Mart Organization in Dallas, Texas, and in 1993, moved to Washington, D.C., to work with the National Wholesale Druggist Association. In 1999, Bruce joined Amerisource as the general manager of the Family Pharmacy Program, which listeners will now know and recognize as Good Neighbor Pharmacy. In 2002, after the merger of Amerisource Bergen in Brunswick, his years in corporate world came to an end and Bruce became a consultant. To be clear, becoming a consultant was not his first choice, But things like that happened in the corporate world. Being a consultant type or freelancer has given Bruce the opportunity to work with some amazing companies. More to the point, it allowed him to become the road trip guy. Since 2008, Bruce has completed 10 major pharmacy road trips. The trips provided him with an opportunity to write about their findings for pharmacy magazines and to speak at pharmacy conventions about his work. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, welcome back to our second episode of the new podcast with Mr. Bruce Nealon, Pharmacy Crossroads. It was important to me in partnering with someone who has seen things in a different perspective, in a different light, at a different time as we've grown with the business of pharmacy. Bruce has brought so much knowledge to our industry based on his documentation and storytelling And I think the relationships that Bruce has built with pharmacy owners, pharmacy executives, people in the financial side of pharmacy, and the fact that the reason that this podcast is called Pharmacy Crossroads is because our industry as a whole, the pharmacy industry is in fact at a crossroads. And we need some major upheaval and changes to take place to ensure that pharmacists, pharmacy owners, are compensated for what they do for public health and for population health and the partnerships that we're developing with pharmacists, insurers, and um, and allowing pharmacists to be passionate about what they do and caring for patients. Bruce, welcome back to Pharmacy Crossroads for our number two episode. How are you? I'm doing just great. It's great to be with you today, but more importantly, I'm excited to be introducing Mona Goddess, the owner of Duran Central Pharmacy in Albuquerque, New Mexico, to our listeners today. So uh, we'll we'll get acquainted with Mona a little bit as we chat, but um, she's a wonderful pharmacy owner, runs an amazing and very unique pharmacy in Albuquerque. So Mona, I'm going to ask you just to jump right in, and uh, I've been to your pharmacy twice. Um, uh, it's got some unique opportunities in terms of physical layout and where and and its location. Uh, tell us a little bit about your pharmacy and how you came to be a pharmacy owner. Well, thank you, Bruce. Um, 
So a little history on Durand's. Um, Durand's was opened um, in 1942 by Pete Durand. Um, he was a very prominent member in the community and um, he opened the pharmacy. And then um, my father went to work for Pete Durand um, in the early 60s and uh, Pete was ready to retire. So my dad bought the pharmacy in 1965. And at that time, um, there was a small soda fountain in the back, uh, like many of the independent pharmacies uh, throughout the nation, they had a little soda fountain. And um, my father noticed that uh, the, the soda fountain really was not doing that well. And it, you know, it took up a lot of space and um, was trying to figure out how he could inject some sort of um, interest in the soda fountain. So he started doing specials every week um, and he had different specials, daily specials. And it turned out that the New Mexican fair um, enchiladas, red and green chili were very popular and they started getting more and more popular. I think it was the Wednesday special. So he decided to uh, start uh, putting a little bit more uh, energy into it and he started serving New Mexican food on a daily basis. And before you know it, um, all the people in the community um, started coming in specifically to eat at the pharmacy. So uh, in 1975, he, um, the lease expired and he needed to find another location. So he decided to build a new location, which is the current location today, on Central, it's on the Route 66, um, on Central, and it, we moved there in 1975, and he kept the restaurant um, active. And um, so now my pharmacy, <laughs> I bought the pharmacy in 2010 from my father. Um, we still have um, the soda fountain, but it's actually a full-service restaurant. We have beer and wine we serve on a daily basis. Um, and then the rest of the pharmacy, I have a large front end with um, sort of eclectic gifts there. And then I have the typical uh, front end of a pharmacy, sort of the vitamins and um, you know toothpaste and things like that, which we call the OTC section. I have right. the pharmacy, the and pharmacy it's itself. So, I mean, you've got a, a full package, a pharmacy and a front end, a, a classic a, a pharmacy front end. Uh, then, uh, I mean, I will say you are right in the historic section of Albuquerque on Route 66. So you do pick up a, a tourist trade. And then you've got the restaurant, which I suspect is a little bit tourist, but from my experience in eating there, it's uh, primarily a lot of locals, people who work in the area, isn't it? Correct. We're very close to downtown as well. So we get a lot of, um, you know, attorneys, judges, you know, the, the typical, uh, yeah. you know, environment of downtown. We, we have a lot of them come in as well. Well, and, you know, duplicating the restaurant is not what most of our listeners going to do. So let's talk about your pharmacy and, and uh, kind of focus on that for the next several minutes. I, I, I can't help but comment on you do something right in order to get your staff to be personable, to be pleasant, um, uh, to be helpful in the front end. 
uh, managing people is not easy. And obviously, you figured out a little bit about how to do that. Is there a management technique or philosophy that you have that you could share with our listeners? Um, you know, I, I, my number one asset are my employees. So I really try hard to, um, you know, invest in them. I, I, I offer them trainings. I, I give them a lot of autonomy. They're allowed to make a lot of choices. I delegate. I let them come up with ideas. I try to have a really nice working environment as well. We have music. We have uh, lots of perks at Duran's. Um, we're more like a family, and we have sort of that family atmosphere. Um, so I really try hard to invest in my staff. Well, and speaking of investing in your staff, I was delighted at the uh, NCPA meeting uh, last year in San Diego. You actually sent uh, one of your pharmacists out there. I had a delightful visit with her. Um, so you'll send them places to get trained and, uh, and uh, to network, won't you? Oh, absolutely. Um, several of my pharmacists, I've sent them out of state to trainings, conferences, um, I've also sent techs out of state to trainings and conferences. Um, I try really hard to um, promote leadership in all of my staff. And so they've, they've attended several leadership courses as well. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. So now let's get to the, um, th that's all fun and games, talking about that kind of stuff. The, the real issue in pharmacy right now is reimbursement. Um, uh, I can't imagine you're protected from that. Uh, what kind of things are you doing to make up for the lost revenue with low reimbursement? <laughs> well, um, I, I try to do it all, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, um, like we talked about, I've got a, a, a very strong, robust front end and a strong and robust restaurant. But in addition to that, I try to set myself apart from the chains or the dollar stores and really focus on different services that I can provide for my customers. Um, we carry lots of unusual products um, in, the, in the pharmacy section, you know, these different are, these kinds These would be healthcare products? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Um, we have, a large array of vitamins and nutraceuticals. We, um, we offer compression hosiery fittings. I have yeah. two certified fitters on staff. Um, we do cognitive testing. We do point of care testing that would involve like cholesterol testing. Right. Um, we sell CBD, we do vaccinations, but we also do travel vaccinations. Ah, um, okay. So we provide quite an array of services. We have adherence packaging. Um, and then we also get involved with uh, lots of drug studies or adherence studies to help um, boost our reimbursements a little bit as well. And, and that was one of the first things you pointed out to me, your clinical trials or at least investigative studies. I mean, take just a minute. Tell me how that happens. Well, we partner, um, we partner with um, or different organizations that perhaps um, 
have partnered with drug companies that might be perhaps um, wanting to take a prescription drug over the counter. And okay. so we do those studies and we see whether that drug would actually work over the counter with all the FDA requirements, et cetera. And we have people come in and we do all of, we do all the legwork for them. Um, we also have done some studies in adherence, um, different um, health institutions, the Department of Health, for instance, we've done some collaborations with them because pharmacists are actually the most um, frequently seen provider yeah. straight yeah. across the board. Well, th th that's fascinating, and that's a perfect segue to the, the, the next topic I want to discuss. These things don't happen by standing behind the counter filling prescriptions. I, I know you are extremely uh, generous with your time and in, in, involved in pharmacy associations and uh, your uh, GPO uh, advisory board. Um, you know, is, is, is doing that part of how you come across some of these other things or what benefit do you get by sacrificing or donating or volunteering so much of your time to, to organizations that, that advance pharmacy? Oh, there's, there's such an, a benefit to that. Um, of course, there's the networking and the ideas and the brainstorming. Um, I, you know, I, I am a strong believer that the more you give, the more you receive. And, um, you know, if, if we make these organizations better, they're going to make me better. And so I, you know, I believe in being very active in the community. If my community is stronger, I'm going to be a stronger business person. And um, so I do get involved in, in lots of organizations and I spend a lot of time. And some of my best ideas have come from other pharmacists or even other business owners. Can you think of an example? I mean, you talked about the cognitive testing and the clinical trial stuff. Is there something else that comes to mind where you've implemented a, a service or a program that turned into of being a real positive for the pharmacy? Yeah, um, one, of, one of my um, programs that was very well recepted, re received was um, my $2 program, Shop Local. Um, oh. And what I did was um, uh, around the uh, Thanksgiving time, that, uh, that day after the Shop Local Saturday, yeah. I gave every single staff member a hundred dollars in two dollar bills um and when i first did this the bank didn't have enough two dollar bills so i had to <laughs> yeah. order them ahead of time yeah but um so my request was that they give 10 percent of their their hundred dollars to um a charity of their choice and then the rest they had to uh, spend at a local business. And it could be any local business of their choice, but it had to be a locally owned business. And then they had to tell them about the program and say that, you know, we are trying to promote shopping local in our community because more dollars stay in the community if you shop local. 
yeah. rather than going out. And it was very successful. And I have continued to do that. I think I've done it now for probably oh, five or six years. Um, it's a, it, my employees are very um, delighted by the fact that they get $100 and, and they can't spend it on rent or car payments or anything like that. They really do have to go out in the community and spend it. And That's it's been very favorable. That's fascinating. I love that. And, and it reminds me of the first time I met you, I think was in 2012. I was doing my Route 66 road trip. Um, and we chatted a little bit then about uh, the buying group, the GPO that you were part of, or either your wholesaler, how they were uh, had had an opportunity to host a meeting of other stores in the area, and they chose one of the chain uh, restaurants. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you handled that. Well, I said absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, for one thing, I'm a restaurant owner and my siblings are restaurant owners and we are local, you know, local businesses. And I said, no, we are going to support a local business. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be just a local pharmacy. It could be your local dry cleaners. It could be your local um, automotive place and your local restaurant. You know, it, it's hard sometimes uh, to walk your talk, but I try really hard to do that. And I really try to keep as much business in the local community that I can. Well, and it sounds like it's working for you. So flu shots are something that most people do, but I think you've done something with a little twist. Um, how, what are you doing to build up your flu shot opportunities in the community? Well, um, we, we try to do, um, we will do whatever flu shots people want. You know, we will come to you and do your flu shots. I, I, we've given flu shots to in, in, inside of our customers' homes for people that are um, homebound. We've gone to several different organizations. We go to law offices. We go to banks. Um, we even have a Facebook call center um, outside of town, and we've also um, done flu shots for them as well. And uh, I mean, these clinic or offsite things, uh, you you typically, I mean, obviously, if you're going to somebody's home, that's a modest, uh, you know, one or two shots. But typically, you're doing 30, 40, 50 people or more than that? Yes, typically, we are. I think at Facebook, we did, I don't know, 100 or 200 shots. Wow. We, we did quite a few. And I, you know, many times I take my students because I have... Um, students from the College of Pharmacy, and um, they do rotations at my pharmacy, and we take them. It's a great learning experience. It's a great community service. Um, we try to give as many flu shots as we can, and so I have no problem approaching any, you know, company in Albuquerque or the nearby area and offering our services. Are, are, do you have a, a, a person on your team who kind of gets out and does that, or does this kind of happen um, secondhand from somebody in your pharmacy or somebody in the family? I mean, is there somebody carrying a suitcase and going around looking for opportunities, or you just find these mostly by having your eyes open? Um, a little bit of both. 
Um, we have, you know, we do keep our eyes open and we're always looking for opportunities. Um, but I do have a pharmacist that's delegated to handle the vaccines. He does all the contacting of the organizations. He sets up the clinics, orders the vaccines, the whole nine yards. So, and, um, yeah. And you mentioned travel vaccinations. Um, yes. You have a comparable program to approach churches who are sending mission people out, or where, where does most of the demand for that come from? Um, different organizations. Um, we've, we partnered with um, the Albuquerque International Association. They do a lot of traveling. And um, we actually gave a talk about um, travel and travel vaccinations. Um, we try to go out into the community and let them know that we're doing it. And we've been pretty successful. Uh, travel vaccinations require extra certification and I have two pharmacists that are certified to give travel vaccinations. Yeah. So uh, change to the, another thing that fascinates me. Um, at the very beginning, you talked about how you're a, a healthcare professional and you're a business person as well. Um, I was out there a couple of years ago and had a chance to visit with you. I remember you taking me into your office and showing me spreadsheets that you would run where you were matching your point of sale data with your pharmacy data. Um, tell me a little bit about that business analysis attitude that you have and some of the profit opportunities that emerge from that kind of research. Well, yes, I'm very data-driven. Um, I, I think there is so much information in data. And so I do, I run lots of reports. I run sales reports. I run daily sales reports and I glance at them every day. I get them emailed to me. Um, I like to know what I'm selling. Um, you know, so many times in earlier years, you know, you just kind of had an inkling. Oh yeah, that's a fast mover. or That's a slow mover. Well, it's not the case. When you do the reports, you really see the true story. And so I do that in the pharmacy as well. You know, some, um, some health plans I might lose a lot of money on. And so then I need to really think about how we can pivot and what we can do with that. Um, yeah. Same thing in the front end. I might, you know, sell a hundred chocolates a day. Then I better, you know, every piece I, I call it real estate in my pharmacy. Ah. You know, it's real estate and that real estate needs to make some money. If not, then I need to switch it out and try something new. I don't want to have anything that's sitting on my shelves gathering dust. Yeah, and, and you, you like say, you can know the top 10, but you can't know the top 500. And, um, you know, figuring out how to balance and up, uh, increase inventory or drop items or at least pare back your inventory, that has a big impact on your cash flow, even in the front end. Um, so I, 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 I would just want to use this opportunity to encourage people to take advantage of the power of what's in their point of sale systems and cross-reference that with their their prescription stuff and try to figure out how do we how do we how do we sell more uh, non-prescription stuff with each prescription uh, with each prescription we fill and there's there's ways you can do that with uh, uh, merchandising which speaking of I, I remember seeing the cute little signs with the pictures 
on your front end item saying our pharmacist recommends is how did that idea come about and is that worthy of other people emulating oh absolutely um we call them staff picks and um i got that idea actually from ncpa and um we kind of put a little twist on it instead of just sort of a you know a boring like oh yeah i think this product is great we have all of them are little clever um you know nonsensical statements about the part the product and um people enjoy it we have a picture of the staff um that recommends that product and um, a little saying underneath it. And um, we've had lots of feedback from customers. They enjoy the staff pick. I've actually had people come up to me and say, well, why do you, why do you recommend this? And I tell ah, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, the point is that every shelf sign doesn't need to be this item's on sale. Um, you can sell stuff at full price and, and you can sell stuff that you wouldn't have sold simply by putting signs on it. Is that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes there's a perceived value, Bruce. Um, I've, I've run across that so many times. Um, people want sometimes the more expensive item because they think it is better. So, um, uh, you know, putting it on sale doesn't always do you a favor. Isn't that an insight to, to remember it? I mean, you know, uh, it, God bless Sears. They're, they're going the way of all the world at the moment, but their old good, better, best idea for merchandising was a pretty powerful one. And, uh, you know, so yeah, you don't, everything doesn't need to be on sale. Everything doesn't need to be cheap um, in, in order for people to value it. And I think that's particularly true when it comes to healthcare items. You mentioned CBD earlier. Um, you, you've got a couple lines of CBD. Chat about that for a moment. Well, um, I, you know, I, I have one line of CBD at the moment and, um, we did a lot of research. Um, I actually, um, saw them at a conference, the company I do business with and, um, really liked their product, liked, um, all the research they're doing involved around their product. And so they had trainings for my pharmacists and staff, yeah. which we all did. And um, after talking to some other pharmacists, really, you know, delving into it, and I started researching and becoming more and more educated on CBD and finding that, you know, all CBD is not equal. What you buy at the gas station not doesn't necessarily have as much CBD in it as you think. And there's also other products that could be in that yeah. product. And so um, I really was looking for a pure product. And I also wanted to know about dosing and how could I make it work for my patients. So we have a, a very um, intricate dosing um, uh, recommendation to our patients and we try to work with them along the way to make to make it easy for them and to help them find the right dose so that CBD works for them. And does that typically involve a consult with the pharmacist? Oh yes we, okay. we yes we well a con or a consult with somebody that's trained in it. I do okay. have um, a wellness specialist on hand and she offers lots of advice on vitamins and um, 
CBD, and she's been trained in many areas as well. That sounds interesting. A wellness specialist, huh? Um, yes. Well, listen, our time's about up, so you get one last shot. What's You got something special you would like to share with your peers, a challenge, an opportunity, an idea? Well, I think the biggest thing is is always be looking for opportunities and be willing to change. We all need to change and evolve. I mean, COVID has shown us that. We're never gonna go back to normal. So we've gotta figure out what our new normal is and we've gotta be continually educating ourselves, training ourselves and looking for new opportunities. Uh, that's well said, I'm writing that down. Always be looking for opportunities and be willing to change. That's my new mantra for pharmacy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Moni, you're wonderful. Uh, I hope I get a chance to come out your way again. And um, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. Thank you, Bruce. Todd, we'll turn it back to you. Bruce, thank you so much. Mona, I really appreciate your insights and sharing with our 70,000 plus listeners about your business as a pharmacy owner. I also want to give a shout out to the New Mexico um, Pharmacists Association and the work that you guys are doing. Uh, those pharmacy associations are so important. We've partnered with the Ohio Pharmacists Association, uh, Texas, and the Pennsylvania Pharmacists Association, who actually has a podcast on our network. And it's always important to not only support but look to these associations for insights um, to, uh, to advance uh, pharmacists in healthcare, but it'll also support our community pharmacies. And with that, we wrap up another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. Please subscribe to the Pharmacy Podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and CastBox. And as always, we thank you for listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.